But that was one of my favorite comments. Mm-hmm. The um, comes like a banshee. Yeah, comes. What like is a banshee? A banshee is like a, an evil spirit bat thing. I think. Oh, I thought it was a xylophone type thing. Is how I come. So what were your favorite comments you've seen so far this week? Um, I like uh, this one guy did a, a, a string of comments um, saying that he didn't like it, but that he was drunk and, and he was watching it anyway. And if he had been sober, there'd be no other reason to watch it other than BB's bum. And he spelt BB like a BB gun. <laughs> and I just thought that was that was fun. Was he on YouTube? Yeah. So he was watching it at 9.30 a.m.? Mm, mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe or not. But anyway... That, that was nice to be objectified like that. And, yeah, uh, but you can't really see your bum. Exactly. I think he just maybe talking about the general shape. Maybe he was imagining what it would be he's like. He's seen your bum in the past, maybe on maybe, Instagram. Maybe You're trying to show guy. more of your bum, aren't exactly. you? Exactly. I am, actually. Yeah. So what were your favorite comments? Um, well, I have a few. My The funniest comment was obviously somebody commenting under saying... I bet Jessie comes. <laughs> I bet, <laughs> bet Jessie screams like a banshee. When, when she comes. When she comes hot. Yeah. When she comes hard. hard. Because he's clarifying, she's coming hard. We've we've accidentally slipped into kind of sexual podcast, which is so not what we're trying to do. No, we're it's not. ironic because yeah. we're both virgins. <laughs> so that's um, interesting development yeah. for us yeah. in our careers. Yeah, maybe that's how we're going to be seen now mm. as the sexy podcast. Yeah, you can talk about dicks. Exactly. <laughs> I don't even like about saying that. Um, but that was one of my favorite comments. Mm-hmm. The um, comes like a banshee. Yeah, comes. What like is a banshee? A banshee is like a, an evil spirit bat thing. I think. Oh, I thought it was a xylophone type thing. Is how I come. But my other favorite comment was somebody underneath. Obviously, in the last podcast, me and BB had just had a massive fight, and BB did look quite traumatized. And if you watched the YouTube version of it, her face was very puffy but you yeah. did look very pretty I thought but you did look like I just I had been abusive to you and it was, it was so annoying because I'd like made extra effort to wake up early to try and like make myself look nice you know when your photos are taken of you and they're not flattering I just wanted to have like assurance that at any angle in that podcast I would look okay and then of course I started and crying I so I just looked you. fucking awful yeah um, Sorry. But yeah, so I felt really bad watching it back, thinking, oh, you look so sad. Mm. But somebody commented underneath saying, wow, that looks like it was a bad fight, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Is Alfie helping you enough? <laughs> As if that would be the reason why we had a fight. Yeah, I know. Which is quite judgmental of him. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I also the fact that whenever you uh, talk openly or vulnerably, vulner- vulnerably about anything, people are going to assume that they have right to like comment on your personal your, life. Your personal life. Yeah, and I am realizing the danger of that and mm-hmm. having been so open for so long yeah. and now it's kind of backfiring slightly. But mm. in I don't mind. No. I'm kind of embracing it. Yeah, we care less now, I think. I do give a, a less shit mm-hmm. now. Is yeah. that phrase? <laughs> I care less. Yeah, me too. It's I'm fun. Much it's kind of fun. Carefree. Just throwing caution to the wind. Mm-hmm. And then somebody also commented under the Instagram saying, birth doesn't have to be a harrowing experience. I know, I saw that too. And I was like, mm, it kind of does. Yeah. It kind of does. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the women who can hypnobirth through it, mm-hmm. they're just very good actresses. Hypnobirth. So you can kind of do breathing and heavy breathing and try and like just push the baby out. And like women, some, some women commented, the, um, I read this thing, 
she orgasmed for eight hours giving birth. She was like, my third birth, I orgasmed for eight hours and it was, it was a joy. That's horrendous. It does make me feel quite, I would actually prefer the pain. I'd prefer the pain. I don't want to associate my beautiful baby with like me orgasming for eight hours. Exactly. That's really weird. Yeah, it is really weird, actually. You don't want to, no. yeah, look at photos of you when you're holding the newborn baby and just mm. be like, oh, I just came really yeah, hard for eight hours. that was the best in my life. <laughs> if only your daddy could do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> so Nothing weird. makes me feel as good as my baby, you know? <laughs> Sometimes when we're having sex and the baby's right there, I'm like, this is weird. That is super weird. It's really weird. Super weird. We like, both on soapy. When it's kicking, I just, I'm just, I'm just very aware that we're now doing a porn podcast. I know we need to, we need to either like embrace our new sex podcaster um, identities yeah. or completely disregard it now. Yes. I think that we should drop it and now become okay. sexless. 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 Okay, I can okay. be sexless. I can That's be easy. sexless. I've been sexless for so long. It's going to be difficult for you to be sexless because I put on eyeliner and I can tell it's yeah, making it's you feel just, very I sexy. Am sassy. Mm-hmm. I, I only put it on because Alfie's coming soon and I just wanted him to kind of like, you know, be shocked. Mm-hmm. And see you and do a double take. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, rather offensively, he has started commenting on how I don't wear makeup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm thinking maybe it's time to start wearing some. Yeah, but to... I th- also think that men don't have a clue when it comes to how they should comment on girls' makeup habits or not. Because they either go the ultra patronizing route, which is commenting on a girl that doesn't wear much makeup and being like, God, I just, I love a natural girl. And isn't it so great that you don't have to wear much makeup? She's probably put a fuck ton of makeup on, scrubs it off because it didn't look very good, put some Vaseline under her eyes, try and make it look like her skin is dewy. Like there's so much effort that goes into the whole natural image. Of course. (laughs) I have to take off my eyeliner at least twice every time that I do it because I mess it up because I can't get it even. So then sometimes I just give up, go for the no makeup look and then get praised for it like I haven't put any effort in. But it's still so much effort. Mm. And I just think that men just shouldn't have a right to comment on that sort of thing, you know, because men can literally turn up looking like shit and we still think that they look like rock stars. Yeah, it's like that TV program I was watching last night where this actor, this leading male actor had gained like five stone Mm. Mm. and he looked awful yeah and every female in the show was still stick thin mm-hmm. and glowing and beautiful mm-hmm. it's like it's but he's the fair. one that where it's you're like, like ben affleck yeah I ben know. affleck can gain five stone at a time exactly still get you know he gets a free ride he got j-lo exactly i know he i was thinking J-Lo. about them the other day and he was even in a music video with mm-hmm. j-lo mm-hmm. i mean he really and that's that's i think why he then married jennifer garner because mm-hmm. jennifer garner is such a, like a earth mother mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Apparently he loved J-Lo's bum so much that he spent like £50,000 on a specially made toilet seat for her covered in diamonds. I a read toilet that. seat? Yeah, I read that on Instagram the other day. Oh my gosh, imagine if you were Jennifer Garner and you knew that his ex was, was J-Lo. J-Lo. But also J-Lo now is married or in a long-term relationship with that a, a man who's a baseball player who mm. also went out with Madonna, mm. who I don't think is that attractive, mm. but he must have a massive date. <laughs> there's something about that man anyway this does relate to my dream last night Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because i know that i i I genuinely hate people who talk about their dreams as if i give a i mean why would anyone want to hear about other people's dreams exactly also um, i always lie about my dreams yeah because you want to make yourself seem more interesting yeah because if people bring up their dreams and then i want to talk about my dream i can't help but embellish with details and like make it all sound all wacky i remember talking to some school friends about a dream uh, when I was little, and um, in the dream, we're just in our grandma's house, and then we're all sitting Please at the... Please don't tell me about your dream. I am going <laughs> to tell you about it now. Oh, God. I am going to tell you about it now. Okay. I, I'm sitting, we're sitting around the dinner table, and then suddenly I turn into a question mark. 
Uh, I turn into the the computer logo question mark that appears at the bottom of an old computer when we had that big chunky one. Mm. I just turned into this floating question mark and nobody noticed. And and I remember just the feeling of like, um, feeling very cool and like weird when I told people about that. And I craved that feeling of, of being like this sort of slightly quirky person that then from that point onwards even though I've never had a dream as interesting as that since yeah and that was when I was like eight or something I've always leaned into the more surreal aspects of a dream and it's just all a complete lie mm. doesn't really mean anything you can have like wacky dreams and be the most boring person so I just I I wish I didn't think that actually they do mean something like mm-hmm. so I have a re- not a recurring dream but a recurring person mm-hmm. in the dreams mm-hmm. of a girl that a woman that Alf he slept with in mm-hmm. our break. Yeah. Who I cannot stop. I don't think about her at all. Mm-hmm. But then During when the I go to hours. sleep, every, maybe every two weeks, I have a horrible dream concerning her. And it's usually me going up to her in the toilets of a club, even though I don't go to clubs. As if. And saying, do you, not, do, you, do, you not have, do you not feel like you should say sorry to me? And her being like, no, why, I didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. He was single. I was single. What, what have we done wrong? And I'd be like, I'm the mother of his children. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm the mother of his children. So you... not even in your dreams do you come across as cool. No. That's and a also, shame. She ignores me. Mm. She looks in the mirror. Always. She's looking mm. in the mirror mm. or doing something in the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> and she... Filthy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and she's... She doesn't care that I'm there. Yeah. She doesn't even look at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Hi! Yeah. Hi over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what you did? Do you know that I can't stop thinking about you and I'm you've really mentally like upset me, scarred you. So I don't know why I keep thinking about her. Do you think that that if you were going to be the kind of person that believes that dreams are significant, do you think that that symbolizes or tells you uh, on a deep level that some confrontation or closure of that whole issue was needed? I or definitely do you think wish I had had some confrontation that you'd with bumped her. into her in real yeah. life and that you guys could have hashed it out. I really, really, really wish I had. I wish I had the guts because I have seen her and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had the guts to go up to her and say, "You did nothing wrong. You probably don't even care yeah. that I care so much." But because he was, he, I don't know. It was, it was such an, a, a near miss. Mm-hmm. It could have. We so easily could have not got got back together, and that could have been the start. I think I. Sh- she happens to be the person that I've put this importance on. Yeah. She she probably... No, she's, pro- she's just a person, but she represents the alternate path that your life could have taken if he had ended up with someone like her who's very different to you. Oh, you- yeah, that's the whole thing. She's, mm. the, she's the polar opposite of me. Yeah. And that's what hurts so much. It's really know? difficult to imagine the person that you're with being with somebody else who's not like you at all. Like that. Like the polar opposite. Yeah. She's a fun girl. Mm-hmm. She oh like, yeah, she's, she's carefree. Girl. She oh, likes she drinking. She is carefree. She can. She's you know likes theatre arts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Theatre arts. <laughs> musical theatre. Musical theatre. I think she likes musical theatre. I just put that on. I. She mm. might not. Mm. She mm-hmm. just seems like she likes musical theatre. Yeah, yeah. And we're not the kind of girls that mm. like musical theatre. Or who like can you know can have a, a a pub lock-in. Yeah. Or like go to karaoke and wear like big earrings. Oh yeah, and it's just and you know have a sequin dress and no, yeah, but also be comfortable in jeans yeah exactly and like go and get chips after with everyone and sit on the street corner Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean we can't do that no and then not get hangovers yeah and look kind of glamorous when they're all grungy Mm. you know we Uh, look like shit if we feel like shit you know yeah exactly they just kind of 
have this tolerance mm-hmm. that we seem to be just weak yeah. with. I yeah. can't do the things that they do on a daily mm-hmm. basis. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just nowhere near as, I don't know, I don't want to say normal because that sounds like judgmental, but just, I've just always been weird. Mm-hmm. And so anyone that has been with Alfie who isn't as weird as me, I'm like, well, that's who you should be with. Mm-hmm. You should be with a normal person. Mm-hmm. Why are you with me? Mm-hmm. And I can see that sometimes when I am being extremely difficult and um, hard work, as mm-hmm. he likes to, to call me, <laughs> my nickname. <laughs> that's your pet name. That's cute. Hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, Mine is dumb bint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. Um so when, when they, when, yeah, those kind of names, when, whenever I, I mean, he doesn't actually call me hard work, but yeah. Harry's your actually calls me okay. dumb bitch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At least it's not dumb bitch. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Thank So he's a good guy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so whenever I am being particularly difficult, I can see sometimes like, oh, you could have just had an easier life. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? You're projecting your own insecurities onto him, of course. I I'm know. sure he has the same questioning thoughts, like why would Jesse want to be with me, you know, when he thinks about other people that would like love to be at, be with you or other people that have been with you. But um, like, I think that I should be with somebody okay, yeah. who's not who's the dream Alfie. Man? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I love him and that's the problem. Um, but, you know, I think if I had, if you could choose who you were going to be with mm-hmm. and who you'd be with forever... And you could, you know, write it down in a list and choose the attributes. I mean, almost like internet dating. Yeah. But in a weird black mirror kind of way. Sure. I don't know. It would be somebody who was rich. Because mm-hmm. then that would just make life a little bit easier. Oh, yeah, big time. Has a nice bathroom all the time. Has to have a nice bathroom. Mm-hmm. And kind of be Alfie, but just be a little less, um, what's the word? <laughs> Scruffy? No, no, no. I like, I like him being scruffy. That's the problem. I probably would be very compatible with somebody who was very clean cut, mm-hmm. very normal, very business-like, um, efficient, mm-hmm. um, good with admin, mm-hmm. wants mm-hmm. to have sex all the time. Oh, yeah, all the time. And also, that, like, a, not quite as funny as Alfie, because mm-hmm. it's a, just tiring. Yeah, exactly. It's really tiring. Mm-hmm. And, and when they need you to laugh at them, mm-hmm. it's just like... I'm just tired. Mm. Um, so somebody like that. So basically, just a taller version of Alfie, even though he is actually weirdly tall. Yeah. He seems like a short person. Mm. He does seem like a short person. And then sometimes when he's got his boots on, I'm like, oh, wow, there's a man in the house. I know. <laughs> but he gives off the energy of a five foot four man. He really he's, does. He's actually... He really does. Yeah, so I think I would he's like almost, someone... He's kind of got a beautiful face as well. Like if, if he was hairless, I've seen him with makeup on when he did the yeah. drag stuff, kind of I would have that face, mm. I think. I mean, obviously, it's a bit of a cliche that you can't help who you fall in love with and all that. Um, but you I can, also, though. You I, really can. Yeah, that's true. And also love, to a certain extent, apart from, like, you know, when you first fall in love and all that, it is, like, a choice. You can either choose to be happy in a relationship or, like, fuck it up or anything like that. But also, I think if you're kind of trying to imagine your dream partner, it's always just going to be a projection of actually what you feel insecure about yourself. Mm. So if you really, really want someone who's, like, super attentive and like obsessed with you it's probably because you have really shitty self-confidence and actually you just want somebody to like fill in those voids and that person isn't probably going to be right for you you know so I think that you and Alfie despite the fact that you guys are quite different you're amazingly compatible I don't know about that I think that we've we 
all the, every single day when I look at Donnie and think about the fact that we had a one night stand and I got pregnant mm -hmm. and the odds of that, I do think there is absolutely no way we would still be together mm -hmm. if I hadn't have got pregnant. And it's just a miracle in yeah. a way, because I feel like the, the fact that he hasn't been able to leave mm -hmm. and I haven't been able to leave yeah. means that we've, it's not like an arranged marriage because it is, I definitely, I definitely think that if I hadn't have got pregnant, we would have gone out and we would have got into the conversation a few months down the line where he would have been like, I don't want a relationship. And I would have been like, oh, I don't want a relationship either. <laughs> I don't, I, I, me, <laughs> I don't want a relationship. That's fine. Yeah. And then gone on for another couple of months and he'd be mm -hmm. like, I don't want a relationship. I'd be like, I don't, neither do I. <laughs> I just honestly back off yeah. and then one week later be yeah. like please can we just be in a, yeah. can you just call me your girlfriend yeah yeah, yeah. which he still didn't until the day that Johnny was born because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, he keeps it cool he he he's, plays it very cool yeah so he's hard to get <laughs> he's still hard to get yeah even though he's upstairs yeah um, so I think that it would have run its course naturally because he would have been like I don't want a relationship I know, I really mean that and then mm -hmm. I'd be like okay fine fair enough I do he might have been the one that got away but luckily he's the one that you wouldn't let leave now. I, if he leaves, I will haunt him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so fun to know that if this person wrongs you, you could ruin their life. I can ruin his life. I yeah, think that we yeah. definitely both have that potential. And the awful thing is, given our fight last week and stuff, mm -hmm. and the kind of thinking more about how I fight, yeah. and with Alfie especially, we've been really good lately. I Actually, I'm staggered throughout the period of lockdown that we haven't fought more. We've mm -hmm. only had like two bad fights. Mm -hmm. One when I tried to pull his headphones out of his ear. Yeah. And he said that was violent. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, it was quite violent. Yeah, but he needs to man up. I mean, you and I have gotten to enough like fisticuffs for me to know that you don't ever, you're not actually ever going to like scratch skin. You're just going to bruise, lightly bruise. You're not going to like, yeah. you're not going to draw blood. I guess I could have hurt his eardrums. But he's, I think that he was hamming that yeah, up. Yeah, he's just being silly about that. But I am impressed that we haven't fought more. But mm -hmm. um Oh no, I lost my train of thought. Yeah. It's just gone. I'm sorry. Oh, it's something, something. But anyway, I am fixated on this one girl that he had sex with and I can't, I think it was because it was the only name I got out of him. Mm-hmm. Because he did have a long, he had a long list. Yeah. And also, um, I guess it's interesting because you did kind of incorporate her in that period of time into Sunrise. I know. So you would think that you had some closure. But the fact that you don't no. shows that like there's no easy solution to just getting over jealousy or um, like relationship issues and problems like that. There's no magical band-aid solution. You can feel amazing about something one day and then horrendous about it the next. And you just sort of have to accept that it's gonna but come it's and exactly go like that. it's exactly like grief mm -hmm. because with now this person that I'm fixated on in my dreams every two weeks, mm -hmm. And, you know, occasionally I will stalk on mm -hmm. Instagram, mm -hmm. even though she's not very prolific on Instagram, so it's a bit frustrating. Mm -hmm. Which only makes her seem cooler. Mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I do equate Instagram activity with coolness. <laughs> I like people that seem free-spirited on Instagram. I like people that don't mind posting, like, a maybe even slightly unflattering photo of themselves, but clearly doing something fun. That's the exact energy that I want to emulate. Yeah, I want to emulate the energy that is somebody who posts very freely mm. and doesn't think about it that much. Mm -hmm. Like they'll post three very similar photos mm -hmm. in a row mm -hmm. because they haven't gone back to look at their last photo. Yeah, yeah. They're exactly. that carefree. They don't yeah. worry about how they line up in the grid yeah. or yeah. anything like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I do want them. I do want that personality. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so this person now is in my life, mm -hmm. no matter what. She doesn't give a shit about me. She doesn't know anything about me. And it's not like she's in my life in a, in a big, significant way, but I now have to accept that I'm going to carry her with me. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly the same with grief with you know, thinking about Ben every minute mm -hmm. 
is just the way life is going to be now and that's that's okay yeah that's that's the way it is exactly rather than trying to like trying to battle against that feeling it's accepting that that like base level of sadness and confusion is always going to be there but the happiness part of your life that's what you choose to engage in exactly and you do get used to the the other feeling it kind of becomes not like background noise because sometimes it's much much louder and sometimes it's quieter but just rather than fighting against it which is what I think you do I, at the beginning because you're uh, so you worried your life lot. is going to change in, yeah you know irretrievably but if you embrace the the baggage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the, the pain mm-hmm. and stuff and then you accept that with the pain you're also going to get other bags yeah you're gonna get happy bags yeah exactly kind of you're gonna have you some can, goodies you can have some uh, a party bag exactly <laughs> you have a little party oh bag oh my god I a wish little clutch I had a bag. party bag I haven't had a party bag in so long Donnie got one the other day and it was actually quite frustrating it was like an eco-friendly party bag fuck that fuck that they're supposed to just have like endless plastic that's gonna kill fish in there and flying saucers oh god mm. those are so good Anyway, so yeah, just embrace the bags that mm-hmm. you're going to pick up along the way and the people, even though you don't want them in your life, mm-hmm. they only there. make it more interesting. And sometimes I think about that scene in Girls, um, and I know we're going to talk about Girls later, but I sometimes think about that scene in Girls where she meets the girl that she went to college with, the one that's become like a famous writer now. And Hannah is so jealous of her because she's got like books of essays out already and like her life has gone to plan, tick, tick, tick. Whereas Hannah has like floundered and had these crazy relationships and like had to move out of her apartment and has failed at going to like whatever but then the the successful girl looks at her and says but you've like actually lived that mm-hmm. stuff that oh, you yeah, can and then write they do about drugs together and then they do drugs together and question whether they should have sex and it's, it's all really fun but sometimes I think about it like that if I ever get into like a really bad headspace like how um you know the, the difficult stuff that's happened with all of us it can feel like it's holding you back. You can feel like your emotions aren't getting better. It's not like this streamlined thing. Sometimes it's like, oh my God, I'm exactly where I was at the beginning. But actually, because of all of the difficulty that's happened, it's like enabled us to live such life, you know? Mm. And it's opened our minds up and it's given us so much perspective. And that's that's what it's all about. Like that's what all good art comes from. And that's just like what life is about, isn't it? Definitely. And also it's just our perspectives have changed. Our scales have changed mm. for pain. Now, before this happened which is Ben dying, we wouldn't have had a, which is a horrible sentence yeah. to say, but for people, very, still, very eloquently I think we have put. to drum that into yeah. people that <laughs> yeah. this happened and yeah. it's shit. Um, and yeah, I think that you have to realize that we would have been miserable about some random shit mm-hmm. before this that was filling this space. Mm-hmm. Now that we know that this space has been carved out for Ben for mm-hmm. the rest of our lives, yeah. pain, angst, mm-hmm. trauma, everything involved yeah. in yeah. this process. Mm-hmm. And eventually joy will come back into that mm-hmm. that space too. The space that was taken up before by trivial things and girls that I was jealous of or all of the women that Alfie slept with in our breakup and, you know, tri- tri- trivial, silly things. Mm-hmm. Now that void's kind of filled by Ben and the grief and the pain and the trauma. And I kind of, I'm glad that it's filled with him rather than these kind of random people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just now kind of am more willing to em- embrace that that space. Exactly. It gives and you perspective on it, how small the other stuff was before. It was so small. And I kind of think back to that period of time and how how upset I was and kind of feel like, oh my God, you had no idea. Mm. If you knew mm. that this would happen, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be wasting a second worrying about that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I do feel really silly, but it does mean that from now on, I won't let people come in that don't matter. Yeah. Or are going to bring me down Mm -hmm. or going to affect my 
ultimate happiness and ability to be happy, mm-hmm. even if I'm not, you know, on top of the moon all the time. Yeah. If, if they're going to affect something, I'm not going to let them in. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that we still don't get jealous and upset about trivial things. It just no. means that they have less impact. I they think, get than they in. They get in. Mm-hmm. But still. they stay for a shorter time. Yeah. They're, like, they're, they're not our house guests anymore. Instead, no. they're just like uh, door, doorway, door, doorway salesmen. Exactly. And they <laughs> only get in through the back door. Exactly. <laughs> and that... they only get in in my dreams when I'm not in control. Exactly. But you've left your back door open. Yeah. Perfect. As always. As always with you. <laughs> we know about you. Um, don't you think it's interesting, though, that um, she, this, this person, is like the manifestation of that uh, insecurity that you were feeling like the closure that you're seeking for that whole situation when actually it's not really her fault is no, it of course that it's whole situation but it's so easy to be jealous of women don't you find yeah I mean I've never been jealous of a man never been jealous of a man I think I've only been jealous of a man when it's in regards to Alfie and his career I'm like that guy's getting that mm-hmm. why but aren't you bothered about that but that's because it's really easy to take like the mother role with any man that you care about. You just want to protect them and forgive them for their sins and their scruffiness and all of the failings that they have. But with women, not only do we hold them to a much higher standard, but we also tear them apart at the first opportunity because I think that we've been raised from a very, very young age. Men have this belief that like they're born into the world and there's a place for them, you know, and they will fill it. Whereas with women, it's like, you have to fight for that place. You don't get it automatically. It's not guaranteed. So I think that we're just like so ready and willing to just like attack other women. And that's how we're going to succeed. Yeah. Or, or judge ourselves based on other women. Look at their Instagrams. Yeah, decide but it's almost, how perfect it's changing they are. Because I feel like we're much more celebratory of, of women and, you know, working together and promoting women. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But whenever that, I'm still so twisted mm-hmm. and affected by you know how we've been brought up in society not we but obviously not how we've been brought up in our house but of um whenever people are being kind of so in praise of let's all join together and be a community as women I'm also like what is in this for you exactly (laughs) exactly because women are too smart to actually band up you are doing you just want to keep your enemies close exactly when the end of the world comes it's like my my team is not going to be just ladies okay (laughs) I want to fucking survive even just it's it's nothing to do with we don't want to feel that way no it's only because I've I've had I went to an all-girls school Mm -hmm. for a little bit which was horrible. Mm-hmm. And I saw such kind of bad behavior by these girls that I then became part of. Um, and as a result, I've only grown up with this, this kind of feeling that women are gonna stab you in the back. Mm-hmm. If you're not careful, they will, they will take your man mm-hmm. and they will take your job mm-hmm. and they will cut your hair when you're sleeping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is something I've always wanted to do, actually. <laughs> cut. Or, or cut someone's ponytail off on the train. Yeah, I do. I do fantasize about that. Yeah. But I just remember so clearly at school, in about year 10, I had no makeup on. I was kind of the sports girl. And they all crowded around me, this harem of bitches. Can you say harem? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is a harem? <laughs> just like, a harem is a group of women. It's like a... Oh, um, I got it right then. You did, yeah. I thought it was an offensive word for some reason. No. No. Like har- oh, but then you wouldn't have harem pants. Yeah. Anyway, so this, this group of bitches got around me and they started stroking my hair and brushing it. And then they got a bag of makeup and they did the mean girls thing to me where they just transformed me and said, this is who you are now type thing. Wow. And I was such a doormat. I was like, thank you. Thank you. 
I mean, that's so fascinating and like symbolic, isn't it? I think I still held on to myself in that period of time and I didn't necessarily go to school every day with makeup on and transformed into the person they wanted me to be. But it definitely, I definitely faked it mm -hmm. for a long time. And I still fake it with, with certain friends and stuff like that. But anyway, I think my jealousy um, was kind of... Uh, strange for a while because I didn't ever feel jealous of any of the girls that were my age at school because I was super innocent and bookish and I just didn't have like a lot of close friends maybe up until the age of 16 so the only jealousy I really felt was like kids at auditions that I would see that like come from big stage schools that were like all friends with each other and really really jolly and everything like that and I was pretty fine like I was just focusing on my schoolwork. I was like a relatively happy child actor everything was sort of neat and ordered for me so I didn't have a lot of angst but it was only when I was 16 and I changed schools and acting started to become a little bit more difficult and I was put more in that adult woman category that I really did start to feel not only anxiety with other actresses because I could see it isn't just about being cute or being talented it it's about having that sexy young ingenue look that I didn't necessarily have and that you have to fit into a very sort of narrow bandwidth to actually possess it's like you have to be that person rather than work to become that person and I was so used to like working on things and, and working hard so I started to become jealous of other actresses which is something that has fed into my whole adult life and psyche but also then I for the first time was jealous of girls at school and stuff who were just sort of naturally sexy and boys just like wanted to talk to them and gravitate around them yeah and but they where were, are they now I they're mean, probably no, they're, they're still, they're still and sexy and they all still hang out with each other. None of my school friends, like they all, they all hang out in like cool groups. They all still like hang out with the boys from school. And I'm just sort of like, well, why didn't that happen to me? I feel bad that I was just really judgmental about accountants. Not that they can't, accountants can be sexy too. I didn't, I don't even remember you using the word accountant. I just said, I bet they're all accountants now, which is really horrible. That is funny. <laughs> but to be honest, a lot of them are. They are the job. It's a good job. They're, honestly, like the girls that were just naturally cool at school and like wore eyeliner and didn't make it look like they tried too hard they sure they have jobs like being accountants now but that's because they want to have a happy life well, so your, your jealousy right now is of of young people mm -hmm. your age group who are seemingly doing it better than you are at your age mm -hmm. when you're, you should be in the prime of your 20s mm -hmm. and having a good time yeah and I think that that's heightened by everything that's going on in the world right now because if this is the end of some chapter in like like nightlife and youth culture and stuff like being easy to access then I just didn't do it well enough when it was still happening and so now it's like I'm gonna wake up and lockdown's finally gonna be over when I'm like 25 26 27 and I just I just won't have like done it well enough you know yeah but you just don't realize everyone's adapting the entire time mm -hmm. so you you'll find that there are pros and cons to this period of time obviously mm -hmm. the, it's it's a horrible time for everybody but everyone's growing and adapting so mm -hmm. it's gonna be fine but I do do you find that at the age of 23 that you're, when you meet certain friendship groups, do you find that you're starting to see the beginnings of that optimism and that kind of arrogance you have when you're a young, you've got everything going for you when you're 18, 19, mm -hmm. say. Do you think that any of your friends are starting to be like, oh wow, life is pretty oh, yeah. horrible. I'm actually noticing a lot more that um, some, of, some of the people my age are becoming more practical. Yeah. They're kind of giving up on dreams. I really enjoyed that period of time because mm -hmm. I reached that stage way early. I've always just been such a huge pessimist. Mm -hmm. And I remember meeting up with friends after university. I dropped out and they had stayed on. And I remember meeting up with them when they were maybe like, we were maybe like 24. And I noticed that they had started to shift rather than being this kind of like outgoing, fun, 
hopeful early 20 something or late teen mm-hmm. they were now like quite realistic and oh wow we've really got to find a job and do stuff and I really I just felt so great because yeah. I was like oh yeah finally you realize life is pretty fucking shit sometimes yeah and I think it's also I associate it as well with grief and the shock of everything it was like this sort of lens had been taken off the way that I viewed things and even though it was really hard to adjust to I didn't have the same kind of childish glow of the world like oh things will all work out in the end because now it was like nothing means anything Mm -hmm. terrible stuff can happen to you at any fucking point and there's no point in like just being happy and hopeful and having all these dreams and stuff I think we should record that and that should just be the intro the intro that that should definitely be the intro (laughs) um (laughs) but I I think once I adjusted to that much more bleak lens I realized that I think I was actually engaging with the world in a slightly more honest way like I was actually trying harder because instead of just expecting good things to happen to me I was actually trying to work on stuff and like I think my career also, and my you life you're forced to think that you're you're forced to understand that you're not the lead character exactly and I'm not I didn't have main character syndrome anymore because it's like I'm I'm not special like bad things I've can happen to anyone I've never had main character syndrome I've always been like like extra way in the background well, it, I mean clearly it, I thought it was you know like normal but actually it's just kind of delusional it's just like weirdly innocent and it's kind of annoying and I think when I now meet up with my friends that still have that they're not really talking to you no they don't give a shit they're they're in their own they're completely like living their own fantasy in their head and it doesn't really matter how you relate to it but then you meet the pessimistic people the ones that have started to shed their dreams a little bit like they are doing at my age and it's like you're talking to them for the first time yeah but also they're dangerous too Mm -hmm. because when you've been around pessimists if you're so such a pessimist that you only engage with other pessimists mm-hmm. then it becomes a, a different territory too exactly. you, need a, you need a mix you need a nice little balance sometimes it's fun to hang out with the crazy delusional you need some ones. delusional people and you need some people who just know the reality oh yeah yeah like the delusional ones are fun to have like a glass of wine with i've noticed that the people who never ask never ever want to talk about themselves mm-hmm. they only want to ask you questions about mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. they're hiding something mm, oh big time but that is also a really good tactic I found for socializing mm-hmm. because right now I don't want to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. I don't want to engage with anyone who's going to ask me anything about my life because I want to say I'm very sad. Yeah. So um, I found a really good tactic in public with, with people in rare social settings is to only ask them questions about themselves and their mm-hmm. lives and their family and their hair and mm-hmm. their skin mm-hmm. and their kids. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun. It's like a game. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't know I'm fucking with you. Exactly. I it's don't give so, a shit about exactly. you. Exactly. It's so easy to like latch on to some detail of some person's face and be like, oh my God. You have How the did most, you get that mole? Oh, like you have the most naturally long eyelashes I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's amazing that it like really disarms people. It's and like, it makes oh, them Freddie, feel... he's so clever. Exactly. Are you doing extra classes with him? Oh my God, he's so tall. Do you feed him extra <laughs> Exactly. Stuff? exactly. It's, so, it's so easy to manipulate people and it is really fun. But that must just be because we're broken inside. We are broken inside, but we're not going to be broken forever. Or like, if we are broken forever, we're going to embrace the brokenness mm-hmm, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And everybody is broken in some form. Mm-hmm. But we'll I mainly like, find that I get jealous now of mothers online mm-hmm. who are doing, like, they get like Pampers adverts and they do, like, they have a buggy that looks clean. Mm-hmm. And their kids don't ever seem to shit. <laughs> they just seem to be like doing great. Or the, the mothers who get to do, like actresses who get to do the CBB's bedtime story, mm-hmm. which is such a staple for the first few years of their life. Like you watch it every day. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I tried to get a agent, not an agent, a um, 
somebody from CBBS to come and see my show, like mm-hmm. a producer. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunrise when I was on tour in Manchester. You think you would be a shoe in for that? I thought I'd be a shoe in. I was in Harry Potter. Hello, yeah. it's a kids thing. Mm-hmm. Like, so kids, like, sometimes know who I am, Mm -hmm. which is quite weird. Mm -hmm. And I've got a high-pitched, squeaky voice. Mm -hmm. You're very vague, ageless. Exactly, and I'm Mm colourful, like, you know. And you're a mother. And, and, hello. Exactly. I'm a mother. You're an earth mother. So, probably not the wisest decision to bring them to my one-mama show about, you know, like, screaming, anyone here fucked Alfie Brown? (laughs) (laughs) And stuff like that. And to talk about rape in like a, you know, a casual way. But it's a comedy show, I'm sure. It was a comedy show, but unfortunately on the night this producer came, Mm -hmm. it was, it was silent. No one laughed because they thought it was a drama. Like a performance art piece. Yeah. So about a woman losing her mind. It's probably not the best thing for them to come and scout me for CBeebies Bedtime Story. Mm -hmm. And obviously they they let me come around CBeebies the next day and have like a little tour. Mm -hmm. I remember I was there. Which was great. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. You were in such a bad mood that day. I was in such a bad mood that day. It's really, really depressing to be in a bad mood when you're surrounded by loads of... uh, Happy people? Happy people and children's furniture and... Do you want to come in and see News Round? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, no, I don't. I didn't watch News Round at the time, okay? You didn't come in, did you? I didn't come in. For Blue Peter, and they no. were like, "Oh, just be want to come in and see the Blue Peter presenters." I didn't. I didn't need to feel that inadequacy. Can you believe you were that fucking moody before this all happened? I know. See, I would there's... never be that upset about something so no. trivial again. Yeah. Anyway, um, so they didn't invite me on, but they did give me a tour of CBBS. But anyway, then I was I because I, I obviously had a hang up about it. I then looked up everyone who's done CBBS bedtime stories, and so many of the people don't have kids, which mm-hmm. is fine. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you can't read to kids. Yeah. I mean, you have to know the kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a bit weird if you're just reading to kids and you don't actually kids. have any kids. So basically, if you anyone... You feel really jealous of that. I do still feel really jealous of, about that because I don't... When somebody's actually honest and authentic in their work compared to somebody who's just... I, I just felt so angry about mm-hmm. it and I still do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's natural. I still feel angry about so many roles and stuff that I didn't get that I really, really thought I would, even though now I look back and it's so obvious why I didn't. But I think that... I think there's a How certain... many times do you think, at, say out of five, every five auditions, yeah. at the beginning... At the beginning. Do you think, out of the five, do you think you came out of the room and were like, I got that? Yeah, nailed it. How many? I think when I was like, when I was a child, actually, it's different. But when I started to become more like a young woman... So I the think last three years? In the last three years. I know, I would say since I was 18, so the last five years. Um, okay, so how many out of every five would you have come out and Probably say? like three. You'd have thought, I, I, I was like, nailed smash that. that, absolutely, that was perfect. How will they not be able to see that I'm the best person for this? And as the rejections just sort of like Clocked up. started to like stampede over my <laughs> sense of self and confidence, I think that now I have a, a much more pessimistic way of looking at it. Like, of course, they're not going to cast me in that. Like, even yeah. if it's perfect for me, of course they're not. But I also think that everything that we were talking about with grief, my whole perspective has shifted. It's become very, very warped. So now I sort of don't trust anything. I don't have any belief that like I'm actually going to get anything. It's almost like kind of like a, a weird existential way of looking at the world where nothing is kind of real. So I get very, very surprised if something logical good does happens. happen yeah. or something good happens. Well, something good hasn't happened to you in ages. No, no, no. My God, I'm I'm you are living a, a bleak good thing. existence. I, I mean, apart from like the nice, happy things and the people I love in my life. I would say that I've just... But I'm not that great to you. No, that's true. And I'm your only one, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So you do deserve something good to happen. But It will happen. Yeah, I mean, I genuinely don't think that way anymore. Yeah, but even when the good thing happens now, you won't trust it. I won't trust it. You have to be open to the good thing happening. I remember when I filmed a sketch um, before I stopped filming sketches and a really lovely girl was like... I was basically saying I... 
no, I, I, I don't like anybody. Nobody likes me. I'm just, I'm, we're talking about love and stuff. And then I was talking about my acting career and how dismal that was and everything. And she was like, you know, you're due a really good thing. Mm -hmm. And two weeks later, I got pregnant. That's so nice. By accident. But, you know, it was, so a, a good thing did happen. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, so you are due a really good thing. I and so. I guess, um, uh, you're, you're due a good surprise thing. A good surprise thing. A good surprise thing. You are a very good thing, obviously. Um, no, but how are we relating that to? Oh, yes. So now I don't trust anything either. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of my career, I thought, yeah, got that. Mm -hmm. Got that. One year went by, two years went by, three years went by, four years went by, 10 years gone by. The idea of me getting a good thing mm -hmm. in my career mm -hmm. that has happened to me rather than me making it happen for myself mm -hmm. is ludicrous. Yeah. I do not hold out hope for that at all. And I think that's a really good way to be. Exactly. Because it means you work harder exactly. and you fight to have it harder in space. way better work ethic. But it does also filter, the grief does fuck with your mind so much. So mm -hmm. like even when you were walking home with Margot yesterday and I was like, okay, I'll meet you at home. Mm -hmm. And we had that 10 minute interim mm -hmm. where I was going to get Donny. You didn't have your phone. Mm -hmm. And you just assumed that I would get lost or get kidnapped well, or get murdered. Well, you did just walk over a road without looking. You are an idiot when you cross the road. Yeah, but I wasn't holding Margot at that point, was I? Yeah, but I, well, I still care if you die. Yeah, that's true. I'm glad. And to be fair to you, I did actually get lost on the way home. And she got lost and then she didn't contact me for like mm -hmm. half an hour. I walked I all like, the way oh, up the wrong road gosh. and I had to go into a pub and ask like a bunch of um, really jolly uh, but slightly drunk men uh, how to find your road. And luckily they knew. That's it was amazing. Great. It was really, really great. Uh, any tiny little thing that's kind of doesn't fit in with my plans in the day, mm -hmm. I think this is a chance for the universe to fuck me up. Mm -hmm. They this is This is a 10 minute interim period where everything will go wrong. Mm -hmm. So that's why I try to be as controlled as I can about everything, mm -hmm. which is exhausting. I'm really tired. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I do think that we, I don't think that just because we're pessimistic and stuff, I don't think that that means that we don't necessarily have joy in our no, life. No, I still have joy. I think that now, weirdly, the joy is so much more spontaneous. True joy, I think I only felt before when I got a phone call saying that I had a really good audition or I had a recall or something, or if I was imagining some ridiculous, like, fantastical romantic plot about a boy that I was obsessed with that was the only real true joy I felt before because everything else was wrapped up in angst and waiting for the my, my future to start and my my wonderful life to begin whereas now that's all been swept away I don't have that impression of my life like becoming something or following some storyline um but I genuinely feel happier at certain moments because I just let that in I'm not like waiting for something to happen to me now and I have so much more fun I think I laugh more easily with you because you've had the light and the shade yeah exactly that it's, was in one of the death books yeah exactly it's about having both things together and yeah. um you know I'm, I'm embracing that I yeah think. so if anyone has a good thing to surprise BB with can you just throw it at her send it my way slam it at her face I probably won't recognize it and I'll be like no yeah you will recognize it because I don't know. Good things do happen. Yeah. And that's, I, I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. I still really struggle with that. But you have to, you have to believe that it will. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise. And in the meantime, start to make it for yourself anyway. And in the meantime, before the good thing just happens, mm -hmm. you force good things to happen. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm sorry for losing Margot. You didn't lose her. If you had lost her, that would be a different, we wouldn't be doing a podcast today. No, I'm sorry for getting <laughs> lost with Margot. I did start to freak out and then I like picked her up at one point and I was walking she, down the you road. You shouldn't be picking a four-year-old up. She's really she's heavy. really heavy. She's really heavy. <laughs> yeah. There's this really funny bit in Bill Burr's show where he talks about how women, it's funny that women get offended when men are like, it's kind of hard to carry or for women to sit in your lap. <laughs> and then, but then he says, it's because all adult women are heavy. They're, they're adult human beings. And it's so true. Margaret's on her way to becoming an adult human being yeah. and she's heavy. Yeah. 
if some if a man tries to pick me up, yeah, it's just it's 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 sh- it's showdown. It's, it's game over, isn't it? It's just that's just my nightmare. Yeah. Sitting on a man's lap as well uh-huh. really scares me. It's just loss of control, and you can never really fully feel comfortable because they got weird bony legs. But it doesn't help that every time I sit on Alfie's lap, he's like, "Oh, big girl." <laughs> I mean, I am heavily pregnant, but still. Yeah, no, no, no. He's like, that's weird. That's it's weird. Just it's like great. it's it's the same. It's the same thing as if like you're eating something, and then as you're eating something, you're the guy, enjoying that. The you're guy just... looks at you and strokes your back, and is like, mm, mm-hmm. "Is that good? Is that good? Is that good? Yeah, nourish yourself, I'm glad babe. You're having that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. Oh, that's so weird. My yeah. hands are so sweaty. Yeah. If I ever have like a treat, like if I'm having like banana bread or something, a cafe or a muffin, I was like, oh, I'm really glad you chose that. Fuck I off. mean, fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck <laughs> off. Literally fuck off. I don't know whether this is too neurotic. Um, oh yeah, no, last thing let's talk about quickly. Really, really quickly mm-hmm. to end on. What's your, and this is only for the actresses out there. Uh, what's your worst audition experience you've ever had? Okay. Um, can you go first? Okay. Mine was a few years ago auditioning for Mamma Mia 2. Mm-hmm. And this, that was a very good audition for me. That's a pretty so big audition. A success already, guys. Exactly, exactly. Got, got to a good pat audition. yourself on the back for getting into the room. I got in the room and I had to sing an ABBA song. Mm-hmm. And I sang, I Have a Dream. Oh yeah, gorge. And I thought I nailed it. Mm-hmm. I was like, hmm. I was with a piano accompanist as well. <laughs> Is that what you call it? An accompanist. Uh, accompanist. Anyway, it was with the director I who I had years ago. Well, I actually had mistaken him for a director. Mm-hmm. I now know because I've worked with him since that actually he wasn't the man I was thinking of. So I actually very much insulted him within two minutes of being in the room, mm-hmm. which does happen to me a lot. I do do that by accident. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I said to him, oh, don't you remember I had an audition with you a few years ago where I had to scream mm-hmm. in the room and now I'm having to sing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I wouldn't make someone scream in the room. Mm-hmm. and then I felt really bad because I'd mistaken him for somebody else anyway I then had to sing I have a dream and afterwards it just it was very clear that I cannot sing and and then they have to say oh thank you for thank you for coming in and everything and the director was so lovely and was like really trying to act like I done a good job but mm-hmm. we just saw it I saw it in his eyes mm-hmm. everyone's eyes mm-hmm. the accompanist looked very upset mm-hmm. but yeah it's one of those moments where I was like why did I learn an ABBA song for that I was never gonna get that my experience is actually really similar to the one that I was gonna say and this was recently this was like six months ago I was put up for a Broadway musical revival of Spring Awakening I told you not to go to that. I know <laughs> and I didn't want to but I assumed okay well they're auditioning me so clearly they're not looking for like musical theatre pros I can sing but like I don't have any training and like maybe they're just going for like a really rough edgy version of it and I turn up and um all of these girls are sitting outside, prim, beautiful, clearly musical theatre graduates with laminated folders of all of this sheet music. And um, I went into the... I mean, just before I was called into the audition, I heard somebody belting out the song that I'd been asked to prepare. There's a song that I barely knew and I couldn't really hold any of the notes in it. Heard her belting it through the wall. And then she comes out, rosy-faced. I try and, like, awkwardly and self-deprecatingly say to the girl that's standing there waiting before me, I'm like, oh, my God, surely. I mean, that's... That, you don't have to be that good, do you? And she just looked at me sort of like... Yeah, if you... Um... <laughs> And so then I finally went in. The casting director was this moody woman who uh, just snapped her fingers at me and said I had to start straight away with the with the singing. And I embarrassedly was like holding the piece of paper. Like 
I'm not a musical person. I'm not going to start doing a dance routine for you now. I haven't memorized any of this stuff. But I sang it. I actually sang it better than I was expecting to. The accompanist didn't look horrified. But when I finished, she looked at me straight dead in the eyes, put her pen down and said, okay, I want you to do that again, but I want to see an adult actress in the room this time. <gasps> That's all your worst fears, just being It just felt like, one, like I was being mocked, but two, I take that work stuff so seriously. And with any other like acting audition, I would come in and it's like, I really pride myself on that. But with this, because I felt out of place, because I knew that I was never gonna get something like that. Maybe I was like rustling things about a bit, but I basically was just trying to be humble. Like yeah. I'm not trying, no, they don't, they I'm don't not like trying to pretend people. to you that I'm a musical theater pro here. So I'm just trying to show you what my voice sounds like. But yeah. she tore me apart and then the rest of it was complete shit. And I left feeling awful and left all of the glossy ponytailed laminated girls behind. But it that was a against, pretty bad experience. They just don't like people who have, Show a themselves. unique sense of humor, or or ever make out that they're they're not very good. Yeah, they you have to go in and you have to own it. Yeah, which is something I'm never going to be able I'm to never do. Gonna be able I to didn't do. own anything. We're not natural actresses. No, my other worst experience, which is we'll end on, is the which kind of ties into all of the conflicts of being a working mother and stuff. It, six weeks after Margot was born. I went back to auditioning very quickly. And weirdly, since I've auditioned way less than I did since just having birth, mm-hmm. giving birth. Um, and the I walked all the way there. And I got there and I was wearing jeans that I had managed to fit into after giving birth and stuff I was really proud about. And got in the room and the casting director said something. I really didn't want them to say I just had a baby. Yeah. This was Margaret. It was number two. So they knew I had a baby and the casting director knew I just had another baby. But I was like, oh good, she's not going to mention it. She's going to try and treat me as an actress who just needs a job. Mm-hmm. And she sat me down and the first thing she said, oh no, I did, I did the audition. Mm-hmm. I did it really, really well. Mm-hmm. And then they stood me up and she walked me out. And then just before we got out of the door, in front of the producer and the director, she says, and so Jessie's just had another baby. She just had another baby. How, how long ago did you have that baby? And I was like, um, six weeks. And they looked horrified. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you here? You yeah. awful mother. Mm-hmm. How dare you? Mm-hmm. And, and then to make them feel fine about the fact that I wanted to be there, mm-hmm. I was like, Is, I'm free. I'm here. <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> and then I looked like an awful mother who doesn't want to be with their kids. Yeah. Even though I didn't really want to be there. And I they put really... you in that uncomfortable position. They put me in like, she didn't need to say that. But it's such an unbalanced power dynamic. Like... Yeah. And then I left feeling like awful that I had been like joking that I wanted freedom from my babies. Yeah. When actually I just wanted to be with them. I didn't want to be there really. But I did need the money and I needed the job. Yeah, but f- to provide for them. I can't think of another job that like basically the way it um, works is by, okay, I actually really can't finish that point. I'm just trying to say something about the fact that like actresses are by nature of being an actress, desperate and groveling. And the people that you're looking up to or that you're going into the audition room with, they have such an unbalanced sense of power because they can either bestow the role upon you or the good comments, or they can make you feel literally like you're the worst person in the world. They can destroy your day. They can destroy your, your... They can destroy so much. And, I, and we walk willingly into those situations. Yeah. It's kind of fascinating. But that's why you have to go in with new armor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have actress armor now. Me too. Me not too. that I've had an audition in a long time. Nor, nor have I. Nor but have no I. one has. It's lockdown. But then we're going to go on Instagram and see, you know. Yeah. What's her name? What's her name? The one that follows you? <laughs> Daisy Ridley. Daisy fucking Stop Ridley. Stop following me, Stop Daisy. Stop following me, Daisy. The game is up. I know what you're doing. Okay. She's probably Take the filming- fedora off. She's and go Star back Wars to fucking five. Ophelia. Sure. What's Ophelia? She played Ophelia in the film version of Is Ophelia. that the one with the hair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you're not a natural redhead. Just chill. 
But no one's a natural redhead, really. I'm part of a very, very um, distinct group of uh, young, quirky girls who all dyed their hair red to try and seem more interesting. I tip my hat off to you. (laughs) (laughs) What products do you use to stop your hair feeling dry? Mm. So that was fun. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Isn't it nice to be in a good mood with each other? Yeah, it's much better. Mm. You don't Mm. look like... You haven't cried today. Exactly. And you let me do your makeup, so I was able to touch your face. Yeah, I did make you wash your hands. Yeah. But Jessie has such soft skin. It's just, you know, exfoliation. Mm. It kind of felt like... Exfoliation, exfoliation, exfoliation. It felt like I was touching like a baby... um, a baby monkey or something that had just been born. Thank you. Um, but thank you for listening. If you want to see any extra videos, you can look at our Patreon. Where we do fun, sexy I'm videos. letting BB's name in on the Patreon now. Mm. I'm, I'm just... Really? I have two... I'm in two minds about it, but it was just my name. Oh, cool. But now I'm going to make it Jessie and BB. That's so sweet. Just to welcome you into mm-hmm. it. But, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Sexy girl names. Jessie and BB. <laughs> I don't think Jessie's a sexy name. I think Jessie's such a sexy it's name. It's a farmer name. No, it's a, it's like, I'm a cowgirl. Hey, ride my horse. Yeah, but you're just thinking of that because of Toy Story. Yeah. Baby's like, bebe. Yeah. Bebe. It's either baby or like baby, you know? Yeah. Mm. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Yeah. High five. <laughs> <laughs> High five. Oh my god, I was so worried I didn't have a top on. Fuck! <laughs> I do. So that was that was fine. That would be that funny. Was fine. Imagine if at the end of this we just get our booze and start robbing each other. But like, is this what we should be doing? Uh, honestly, or anything for the likes. Abba. Anything for the likes. You should in the next one. You should stand up and do some spring awakening. Have I ended it? Okay, no, no, end, end, end. End it, baby. End it. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.